0: Welcome to the Sea Beyond Show on Innovation, Technology and Entrepreneurship, hosted and brought to you from Oslo by Mika Tienhara.
1: ...person, Barry Labov with me, out of Fort Wayne in Indiana, right?
0: That's right, Mika.
1: So, how are you today? It's a Friday.
0: It's a Friday. I love it. I'm uh, talking to you out of Arizona today. I have two different locations, one in Arizona in the uh, very warm and beautiful Southwest United States. And then tomorrow I'm flying back to my home, which is in the Midwest, a little bit cooler weather, but a beautiful city as well, Fort Wayne, Indiana.
1: Well, then you get to beat the boats, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But both... I'm mean- I'm in Oslo and we've had a beautiful day today so uh hi yeah it's it's uh low seventies but uh it's been sunshine beautiful day to be outdoor but it's dropping to the fifties in in uh in the weekend so okay there we go okay. um uh, <laughs> that's that's how it is but um for the pleasure of the audience it would be great to. Here a bit, I mean, shortly, uh, tell about yourself, Barry. Who are you? What are you doing? How did you get to where you are at
0: today? Well, thank you, Mika. Um, I'm a two-time Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year winner. I'm out of the Midwest, as I mentioned. Uh, Originally, I started out in a rock band playing rock and roll music, and my songs, Mika, sold well under one million copies so well under but um but it gave me a great sense of creativity and teamwork and inspiration and so what what it did is it moved me into the business i've been in now for the last 40 years uh, the company is called labov and beyond so very much similar to the title of your program but we're known as labov marketing and training and we work with companies throughout the world to help them differentiate what they offer. And in my life and my company's life is all about one word and its differentiation. So our clients include the McAllen Scotch company out of Scotland, Harley Davidson, Audi, Volvo, Airstream and Ingersoll Rand. Uh, so worldwide companies as well as domestic companies in the United States and what we do is we help them differentiate their products and their services their offerings not only to their customers but also to their employees to make a difference in the lives of their employees so that's what we do every single day wow that sounds so
1: great And of course I have to tap into a few things I mean you as a musician uh I was also, I mean, in my teens, uh, young adult, I, I I played in various, let's say, not, not rock and roll, but more on the synth, the, the electronic type of uh, music. Yeah. I grew up in a very industrial city, manufacturing, and uh, we, we we created music. I think that spun me off into this world with uh, entrepreneurship as such, but wow music is so creative and and uh, so that that unites us also barry
0: it does and mika one thing our company does uh and it's one of our core values is we are constantly and we call it a jam session so you remember from your music days you did jam sessions right yeah yeah our company has what we call a product a proprietary approach to creativity and collaboration, and we call it a jam session. And we work with clients, sometimes in a three-hour period, sometimes they're full-day jam sessions to create ideas and to dig in and collaborate to find answers to some of their biggest challenges and opportunities. So we do that every day. We conducted last year over 200 different jam sessions for clients and also internally at our company. Wow. I I like your terminology because you know
1: uh, many call that let's say uh, this collaborative scheme that okay, let's do open innovation. But it, that's so kind of dry and factual. And when 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 you talk about jam session, I think everyone on this planet says, "Oh, we're actually doing something together. It it kind of gels together uh, to, to create something even better and One plus one equals three or more or something like that. So,
0: yes, you know, Mika, here's an interesting thing about jamming. You know, this is a musician, but many of us in business don't don't really think of it like this. The most important aspect of jamming is listening. And what's interesting in music is if you're watching a band in a jam session, if it's magical, it's because they're listening to each other and they're playing off what somebody else did, and then they're doing something and that person's listening. And so what's so creative and so necessary to come up with amazing breakthroughs is listening. You yeah. have to listen and then you can respond and the person that you're responding to needs to listen to you. So you're right. It's, it's an exciting thing to do. And it's also team building when you do really good jam sessions.
1: It is. And, and of course, it's so easy. Many think that, oh, you, you, whether you're an established corporate or a startup, and oh, you have to sell your product. You go out and sell and you, you try to close the transaction selling your product. But really, you have to start listening first. Look, Listen to what are the customers or the users needs, the gaps, the, the pain points. Maybe your product is completely off of what they need, and and you have to pivot or, or add some other services or whatever. So um, that aspect is so crucial.
0: It you is, you know, how many times have we been in a meeting, a boardroom meeting or a conference meeting, And it's going on and it's good. And about an hour into the meeting, somebody says, hey, here's an idea. And the person says something and everybody looks at each other and goes, wait a minute. We talked about that 30 minutes ago. Well, that person wasn't listening. They were getting ready to perform. The problem was they were not participating during that period of time. So so everybody in that meeting lost the value of that person because they were not listening. So the whole point is we have to listen and we have to bounce ideas off each other. And the other thing I'll share about uh, jam sessions is and it's rough for a lot of us in business to deal with this, but you may come up with ideas that are not that good they're not going to oh. all be perfect ideas and you have to accept it you don't know where a great idea is coming from you just need a lot of those ideas to find the great ones so that's what jam sessions are all about that's why they're fun they're exhilarating uh and they will result in breakthroughs they will yes
1: yes i i know i know and you're you're creating a lot of these <laughs> breakthroughs in in yeah. your sense, then Barry. But yeah. I I must say, I mean, like hearing your your customer portfolio, clients. I mean, it's well recognized, established brands, huge corporates, and you would think, oh, can't they innovate or how do they differentiate? What, what what's the clue there? I mean, wh- why why do they come to you, Barry? What, what's your let's say Magic here,
0: well, I you know they're all really smart people um we're also very fortunate because our clients are highly ethical people, so they're great. but you know what what they're looking for, Mika, is they're looking for fresh thinking because they mm. are it's not their fault they're stuck in a box and they have to work with what they have. They're dealing every day with crazy deadlines generally with with a um uh, a, a long list of, of uh, things they're supposed to accomplish, but not enough resources to do it. And they need somewhere to turn to where somebody can say, hey, wait a minute, here's a unique idea. Here's something you may not have thought about. Let us be an extension of the business you have. So they look at us as an extension of a department. You know, one of the companies I mentioned had only two people in their launch department. And they turned to us and said, hey, we're a multinational company. We have two people in our launch department, and we are to launch a product worldwide to 90 different countries. Can you be our extension? Yeah. So we became their, their bandwidth partner, as we call it, for two years, helping them launch products. So they, they're they looking for something they don't have right there in front of them, Mika. Um, And they're also looking for someone who's going to say, wait a minute, we can do better than that. Let's push this Uh, because they're under a lot of pressure to perform and get things going. And, you know, one final thing on this, 30 years ago, we were working with clients and they might have had a 15 to 25 person department. Today, they might have three to five people and they've got to get more done than the than they would have had to 30 years ago. So. They're looking for someone that can be an extension of their vision and their inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: of course, uh, you, you work with, let's say, very uh, enlightened corporates. You understand that they have their own limitations
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you they know that to get to the next level, they have to work with someone outside their own own box as, as such to get there. So. Um, and and just understand why is the differentiation so important in, in today's business?
0: You know, I didn't realize how important it was when we were starting out, and I have become so inspired by it. I'll 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 share what I think is most fascinating. You know, we talk about differentiating your brand, your product, et cetera, and that sounds common sense. It's like, well, sure. But a couple of things about differentiation. A lot of times our clients at first think they have to have a perfect product or the best product. And you don't. You don't need that for differentiation. So as an example, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, which I think they're great, and I've ridden the Harley-Davidson for years. Love them. But you could get into an argument and say, wait a minute, maybe a BMW is every bit as good or better, or maybe a Kawasaki, et cetera. But what you have to look at for Harley as an example is what makes them unique? What makes them different that pulls people in? You know, it's it's that community that they build as an example. So number one, differentiation is important because you gotta realize you do not have to be perfect. You just cannot be a commodity. You cannot be cookie cutter, all right? So that's one thing that's important. The the most important thing I've learned is this, is that yes, it's important to differentiate your brand because you want to increase your market share. You would love to elevate the brand so that you make more profit and that's great. But it's just as important, if not more important today to differentiate your brand, your product, your services so that your employees find meaning in what they're doing. Because if your employees do not think what they're doing has meaning, if they just think they're building the same thing somebody down the street is building, why do they care? Why will they make sure it's at the highest quality level? And why will they even stay at your company? So we -hmm. always look at it as we want to differentiate a brand so that customers in their minds Truly believe there's a value, but also employees and those who represent the brand in their hearts and soul believe that it's a unique, valuable product. So it's both of those things. So that's yeah, the yeah. value of differentiation.
1: It goes very much back to the people and your employees. I mean, the purpose behind it, the why. And and uh, I think it, it's a very good way to kind of also... Bring their best, their, their talent out, in terms of when you're, whether you're building Harley Davidsons or BMWs or whatever.
0: Right. I was working with a um, ambulance company. Um, we work with a tremendous company in the United States called Rev Group, and they have the very best ambulances. They make the very best ambulances in the world. They do, and they are the number one ambulance company. And one of their brands was at the time. Uh, struggling with quality control and we we came into their factory and we were talking with some of their employees and I, 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 I came up to one of them and I said, hey, what do you do? And he said, I plug in wire harnesses. I said, okay. He said, so what I do all day long is I plug in wire harnesses into ambulances. I said, okay, how's it going? He goes, well, I'm thinking of leaving to go down the road because I can make 25 cents more an hour at a marshmallow factory. I said, marshmallow factory. He goes, yeah. I said, okay. Amika, this, this is perfectly along with what you just said. I turned to him and I said, now you realize every one of these ambulances going down the line will last about 10 years. And he goes, that's, he goes, yeah, that's right. It will last about 10 years. I said, during those 10 years, Each one of those ambulances will save or protect the lives of about 100,000 people. And he stopped and he said, you know. I never thought I was in the life saving business. There you go. And he said, maybe I won't leave for 25 cents an hour. And and and, you know, the reality is he is in the life saving business. It's not it's it's not far fetched at all because if that wire harness is is not correct it could fail while they're getting to the hospital it could fail in in um in the middle of an intersection you know there are four thousand ambulance crashes every year cars crashing in ambulances okay so what he's doing is critical and if he doesn't think that and he's sloppy in his workmanship it could affect the livelihood and the lives of people. So we have to realize, number one, I, it's not his fault that he feels that way. It's, it's our responsibility as leaders to explain what he's doing and why it's important. And think about why world would we expect him to know otherwise? Why would he care about plugging it in appropriately? And why would he care about staying Unless we help him with that. And I think that's our job as leaders. And and I would challenge anybody because you have so many people worldwide listening to you. Think of the product and or service you offer and what difference it makes to your customer base. And then the question is, are you truly explaining that to your employees, to your distributors, to your dealers, to whoever represents your product? And if you're not, you better start doing it. You have to do it. Yeah, that's a strong
1: message. Absolutely. And and I think, uh, yeah, you you, you touch up on something. I mean, as a leader and it's not just, you know, one thing is to be a manager, but to actually really tackle that leadership and, and show why are we doing this so that everyone understands. I mean. Let's say I have a vision with my business, and and I tell my people and communicate around that. But I say that I have a different role than you. If you're if you're a test engineer, or you're in assembly, or you're doing uh, design or sales, you have to get your own version of it. But I can tell you my version, and this is why I'm doing it. But fill that with your purpose, and I think that has also brought along the the, the f- let's say the the. F- Full power of the talent I've had in the teams, of course. So it, it is extremely powerful. And then when you mention like I mean, you talk about assembly or manufacturing in that sense. And I think we're you know, it has been commoditized for decades, you know. We've US, Europe, we've gone to Asia, low cost manufacturing, it's commodity, who cares? Now we're bring it all back. So so how how um, I mean are we ready for it in in that sense with with all the the massive boost in manufacturing coming back
0: okay. well I think we have to as leaders we have to fight what we call the commodity monster because mm-hmm. that's what it is it will eat you up you become a commodity and the problem with that is is that your competition wants you to become a commodity Procurement professionals want you to look at yourself as a commodity. Your industry wants you to look at yourself as a commodity. And here's the reality. You know, you talked about Harley Davidson. Well, people will tattoo Harley Davidson on their arms, right? Nobody tattoos a commodity on their arms, okay? If you want people to believe you cannot position yourself as a commodity. Um, We work with a phenomenal company. Um, They have a a Spanish parent as well as an American parent. So they're a a joint venture. Um, They're called SDI, as in Steel Dynamics Incorporated, Lafarga. So Lafarga Copper in Spain is a 200-year-old company, tremendous company, Steel Dynamics in the United States, tremendous company as well. So they gave birth to this company called SDI Lafarga. And their leader said to me, his name is Kurt Breishaft. He said to me, he said, I do not want to be a commodity. And so we have worked together with Kurt at his company. We renamed it. We named it Copper Works. And their slogan is, this is where copper works. Um, They create environmentally friendly copper rod for the world. And he has the photographs. He has um, photos and images of every single employee, all 100 plus employees on their website Mm. to prove that they are not a commodity. They are human beings. They're flesh and blood. And that company has expanded he painted his entire facility with their new name and their logo, You know, a quarter of a million square foot facility. He painted it to show the logo, to show the pride. So we have to fight the whole idea of commodities and, yeah. and going down that situation, becoming a commodity, it sounds great because, hey, we'll build more, we'll do it cheaply, we'll sell more, it sounds great. But what happens is you lose your identity, yeah. you lose the passion of your employees, you are not able to command a premium price because all you're doing is answering the order and sending something out the door. Oh, so, yes. and you know, I don't believe in commodities. I just. No, no, no,
1: matters. no, no, no. And of course, that's a way, let's say, uh, also to open up for, I mean, it all gets washed out and suddenly, oh. Because it's a commodity, the competition is all around them. There, all the sharks. So it's it, it's it's a bad way to go, really. So um, uh, let's turn this a bit around. Because if if we think about founders and entrepreneurs, I mean, they they might have a let's say great technology, and they think, oh, but this this is uh, something that the world needs, the industries needs. But then turning it. Technology to a product and finding that product market fit that is for many a big struggle. Many fail actually in that. And have you any views on that? Why is that so hard?
0: Why is it why specifically? Yeah. What are you thinking there? Be
1: can I'm just thinking because, like, let's say a technology, I mean, whether that's AI or what, whatever, D tech, right. or if you have a sensor and then you say, oh, but these the features are so great. But then they want to just say that, well, this is ready to to uh, deploy anywhere. However, they haven't thought about what, how does it become a product, and what right. is the product market fit?
0: Well, you know In what's a, interesting yeah. is you can be so close. So often these brilliant, many of our clients, small and large companies, by the way, because I've talked about some large ones, but Small and large, they were founded by brilliant people. Many times they're engineers. And one of the issues with engineers is they think everybody ought to understand how brilliant what they're doing is. And they don't think they need to go explain it. So quite often, we have to work with engineers and say, look, I know that you know why you did what you did, but you've got to help people like us. I I call it pedestrians. I'm a pedestrian. Tell me why this technology is so good. Um, I worked with a a brilliant engineering company, and they created a product that had, um, it was a it was for the aerospace industry, and they created a product that had a safety latch that would activate brilliantly, would activate under certain pressure. It would save lives because it would stop this door from opening and and uh, potentially dangerous fumes coming out of this unit. OK, so I said to the guy, I said, that's brilliant. He said, yeah, it cost us millions of dollars to produce the technology. I said. Um, How much more do you charge for that? He goes, we don't. I said, okay. are you the only company in the industry that has this? He goes, yes. I said, do you market it? He goes, no, we just assume everybody should know it. I said, okay. have you at least named this product? I said, what do you call it? And he goes, I call it Latch. It's just a latch. And I said, so think about this. You've done everything that's tough and difficult and inspiring. And you're, you're robbing me and the world of knowing what it is, number one. And number two, giving it a name. You know, we, we all name our children. We don't have child one, two, three, and four. We have names for our children. We have names for our, our pets. Why aren't we naming these unique breakthrough technology and products? And so we have to do that. So many times, Mika, what I find is a brilliant, engineer, manufacturing genius creates something, puts it into a product and expects it to sell itself. And that's where we have to help people. We have to say there has to be a why behind it. As you said, we have to explain to our people why it's unique, why they should care about making sure it works. And then we have to go to our customers and say, okay, we created this for you because this is something we really believe will help you. It could save your life. It could make your life better. And here's what we call it. And you know what? No one else has it. It's a differentiation for us. Yeah. That's what we have to do. Now, Wait, once in a while, Mika, we may find a customer base goes, you know what? We, we think it's nice, but we don't care that much. And you know, that's called a learning experience. Sometimes yeah, yeah. goes. <laughs> but, no, you know. I yeah mean, everything's not a home run but
1: no 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 absolutely you know. not i mean it's a lot of hard work and uh, persuasion and retakes and pivoting etc but in that sense i mean you 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 have a lot of good customers and and um uh they're open-minded but typical i mean is are there any let's say typical hurdles you meet i mean you you start on on this journey with them and Is it like, oh, now it's like back to square
0: one again or so with them? I mean, yeah. You know what? For us, uh, you know, that's a great question for us. A hurdle we have is in the beginning. If a client says, hey, we want to put out an RFP and we we're going to give you and 20 other companies these parameters uh, and you need to fill out this form and then give us pricing, and then we'll look at it. And in many cases, I'd say most cases, we do not do that anymore. We used to, but we don't, because we're we're not going to fit into a cookie-cutter process like that. So one of our biggest barriers is that um, a client will be so used to going down a path by uh, doing what could be called in America a cattle call. Let's get a whole lot of people in, and give them parameters. What I look for with a client is, I wanna know what their challenge or opportunity is, what their vision for their next three years is. And then I wanna determine if it's a good fit with my company, if we can help. And if not, most of the time I'll say, I don't think we can help, but here's somebody who might. If I do think we can help, I will suggest, along with my team, because I got a great team, Um, what we could help them with. And we start to go down that that journey. So that's one thing that we do. And the other challenge that I think we do run into is, uh, and it could be with companies of any size, but the larger uh, they are, the more likely. And that is uh, consensus thinking can sometimes slow down and water down a brilliant idea. So sometimes there is a great concept it's inspiring maybe not perfect but it's it's powerful and sometimes at corporations due to their fear of uh making a mistake their fear of you know doing something that's not perfect which is understandable but it's it's not productive they will slow it down or complicate it and generally the best ideas like we talked earlier the best songs are most often the simpler ones, the clearer ones. So the best ideas are usually simpler. So we fight to keep it simple. We fight to keep it moving at a fast pace so that there's excitement. You know, the longer we stretch a a product launch or stretch a product development, I hate to say it, but the worse it gets because we lose interest. We forget why we did it. And you yes. mentioned why earlier, the why becomes clouded. We're going, I thought we did it for that. Well, I thought, we- wait a minute, why did we do this?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you lose that and, and you see. oh, we're not that direct. We're going, we were supposed to go right, we go left. And what happens here? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, but you're not, th- th- this is so interesting to hear because like, it's a bit contradictory too. of course, with this, Corporates, because what they try to do with your hurdle number one, they want to make a commodity out of it. Oh, but this is just product engineering or whatever. Let's break it down. We we can source it from wherever, from twenty companies. We we take the cheapest one, but they're not getting it because that's the way they they kind of get end up in that pool, swimming with every other fish, and right. instead of getting to that uniqueness the differentiation that is so important
0: you're right and yeah. and it is it is difficult for companies to say no because so often we think and you're an entrepreneur so you became an entrepreneur and you're so successful Mika because in many cases you said yes yes we can do it I can do it we can do it but there is a point where you have to also say hey if this isn't a good fit let's not do it and like you said if if a client's looking for um, cookie cutter answers and things like that, it's best for them to go pursue that path. And and we we support them in it. We're just not going to participate in that quest. We're looking. We want to. You know, I had a client who said to me, I said, now, what's your goal? And he said, Barry, I want to make history. I thought, oh, my gosh, he had me there and that client. His name is Jonathan Randall. He was running Freightliner trucks at the time. He's now running Mack truck Mm -hmm. in the United States. He's the CEO of Mack trucks. Yeah. He wanted to make history. And you know what? We helped him make history, but you don't legislate that. You don't cookie cutter history. What you do is you say, okay, you bring people in, you jam, and you say, I need the best of all of you because we're going to move a mountain together. Yes. And that's the best way to work. And that's when you get your big breakthroughs and your best thinking.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, of course, like you're just reflecting on one thing you said, I, I mean, of course, uh, when I built companies and, of course, early on in my entrepreneurial career, of course, it's like, oh, yes, we, we can do everything. And even though I know that we don't have the resources, do we even have the capabilities? You know, but in some way we said, OK trial and error we fail 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 and suddenly we have something great to the customer but later on it's also been like um I've said no to customers and the yes. big big corporates and said, no one ever says no to us why do you do that Mika and I said because sure I know we we have the technology that can make a great product for you we have the right guys to do this but you you are massively bringing risk to us with a lot of things we have never done before. Yeah. Oh, I see. And then, you know, they go back and say, then they come back and say, but Mika, we still want you to do this. So, you know, you start to kind of, and those are among the best projects I've ever done and the products we, we, have, we have developed. The, the customer has been like uh, calling me after, the senior v, VPs saying that, Mika, Thank you for what you and your team delivered to us. It's right. the best we've done ever. And I said, of course, but I, I made them also understand that they had to change. If we wanted to do this, we couldn't do that alone. And we couldn't take on that risk ourselves, but they were ready to take part of that risk and journey. And we worked as an, as partners. It was fantastic uh, for both of us. And. Sometimes it works. Other times it's been like I've I've had to fire customers, big, big corporates, because it just doesn't work. And they said that no one does that with us. But OK, sometimes when, when you have small, small company, you have to take care. Like you say, Barry, also with your team, your employees, they understand the why. And if you say that we should go right, but you oh, but we're actually moving to the left. They don't understand you. So you have to keep it there. You have to nurture that team and understand that. Keep it in the Swiss, but of course, take on new challenges. But then, let's say, what you communicate, you have to keep keep to that, really, the core.
0: That's right. You have to be willing to say no, yeah. sincerely say no. Uh, I had a client uh, way back, uh, and it was one of the biggest uh, uh Changes for the positive in our company, but they had asked me to take on their marketing department. They um, they're a a national based company in the United States. And I said no. And, uh, you know, politely, I said, No, I said, I don't think it's a good fit. And they came back a couple months later and said, Hey, can you take on our marketing department? We want you to run it. And I said, It's not a good fit. But here are other companies who could do that. Here are their names and contacts. And they called me again and again. And I still remember this to this day. About a year later, uh, my uh, assistant said, hey, the client's on the phone again. I went, oh, God. And I got on the phone and I I said, yeah, how are you doing? He goes, look, I want you to take over our marketing department. And I said, look, I've told you there have to be things you'd have to change. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a great fit for me. And I said, and I gave you other companies to talk to. And he said, we talked to all those other companies. I said, okay. So I said, what's the issue? And he said, we want you. And I said, but why? And he said, because we trust you. Yeah. I said, okay, we'll do it. Because I knew at that moment that they were gonna be the right partner because they cared about working with someone they trust. I gave them every chance to go up everywhere else. And it turned into uh, over a decade of tremendous partnership. But it was because both parties had to realize this is not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be simple. And if we really want to do it, we have to do it together. And and another thing that was important, Mika, and you did this really well when you've you've st- Stood up to clients and said no or whatever. Your employees respected you for that, and it's the same thing for mine. Mine understood that I was looking out for them. I wasn't trying to make a money grab. So when we finally agreed to do it, my employees said, "Hey, we're excited because we know how much you've looked out for us," and I think that's important.
1: Yeah, you have to be the role model and the captain of your ship, of course, and and uh, lead the way as such. and um... Maybe the final thing I mean we were a bit into this with let's say team and workforce and and let's say the young generation, perhaps also I mean they seek a purpose but how do you let's say I know that diversity and inclusion matters to you barry and and sure. uh, uh, how do you see that as let's say in today's world to play a role in business and 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 with the team? Maybe that's very, very broad now. But any, anyhow, I mean, wh- why does diversity matter?
0: To put it well, that way. The way I look at diversity is similar to how I looked at it in music as well, which is you don't know where your next great song or your next great idea is coming from. So if you look at some of your favorite bands, the Beatles, three of them were very active songwriters. And you didn't know where the greatest idea was going to come from. If you look at a band Queen, just I know this may sound funny. But if you look at Queen, the number one or number, I guess it was the number two hit they ever had, which was another one bites the dust as an example, was not written by Freddie Mercury or the guitarist or the drummer who wrote 90% of all the songs, it was written by the bass player. So you don't know where your next great idea can come from mm-hmm. and to me i look at diversity as diversity in many ways it could be race it could be gender it could be uh, psychographics you know the mindset of the person whatever it is and to me we embrace diversity in those ways and of thinking diversity of creativity diversity of inspiration And that is valuable in a company. So I embrace that. And I I think we have to realize, too, we talked about generations a little bit. Um, If you notice that there's very little discussion of millennials today Mm -hmm. as there were a few years ago. And I think that's because most of us have become millennials If you think about it, there are plenty of 50 and 60 and 45 year old millennials out there who are going, hey, I want to put in so much time, but my personal life's more important. I don't want this and this and that. And what we have to realize is the value of uh, of our people's time is so critical. And that's why it goes back to differentiation. Our people will spend more time in the plant, the factory, at the office, at the dealership with us than they will with their family. And if you look at it from um, a standpoint of uh, people going to church, they go to church one hour a week. I talked to Bob Chapman, who's a, a brilliant business guy, and he said this to me. He said, People go to church one hour a week. He said, They spend 40 hours with us. We have 40 times the effect and influence on our people than the church does that they went to. And we have to realize that's our responsibility. So I believe I have to, on a daily basis, remind everybody that what we're doing actually has value. It's actually meaningful. And therefore, it's it's very clear to you, hopefully, that you're meaningful to me if you work at my company. So I think that's really important. So diversity, um, inclusion, all of that is so critical because you don't know where your next great idea is and you want to hold on to your people um, at, a, and have them perform at their most engaged, highest level of performance and inspiration. Absolutely. Great words, Barry, great words. So. Um... Let's run it off.
1: I'm I'm just curious to hear. I mean, what's next for you next project or where are you heading this year with your business? Uh,
0: I have a book that will be distributed worldwide by Simon and Schuster. Um, right. It will be out in about six months or so. The title of the book is The Power of Differentiation. So it's all, right. all about the power of differentiation. Um if anybody wants to visit my website, which is Labove L A B as in Boy O V, so it's Labouff.com and just send a little contact note. I'll keep you uh, in the loop as to when the book is coming out and send an a, you know a first edition to those folks that are interested. But my goal is to constantly improve the world's viewpoint on differentiation to constantly stamp out the commodity mindset, one commodity at a time, so that we run out of those commodities and people understand that what they do has differentiation and meaning to it. So that's our—that's what we're doing. We're moving forward. Um, we have four locations at our company and uh, we're growing every day with this. Yeah, wow.
1: First of all, in six months time, I'm eager to read your book, and be breathtaking by it, by it because you have uh, so many f- exciting thoughts and, and uh, viewpoints, Barry. And uh, secondly, I want to just encourage you to keep on doing those jam sessions. Let's jam. It's so important.
0: Thank you for coming on the show, Barry. This has been a my pleasure to have you here. Mika, I'm honored to be on your show. You are fantastic. I've followed you. And I think what you do changes the world. So thank you very much. You're welcome.